Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, I have with me Letitia Wheeler. She is with Liberty Mutual, and this is a little bit of a different podcast maybe than we have done before. We talked to a lot of people in sales. We've talked to a lot of people in ownership. We've talked to account managers, service, the people in service, but today, Letitia is the Senior Territory Manager at Liberty Mutual, so she helps insurance agents across the country to be able to build their book and be more impactful with their with their clients and I'm so excited to be able to have her today. Leticia, hi, welcome. Hi Teresa, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here today. Well, you know what? I am so excited that you're here because what we want to do with this podcast is really celebrate and display every type of woman in the insurance space. And I'm so excited to have somebody from a carrier come on and be able to represent the women's side of the of the world. So I'm really excited. Thank you. So, and I'm really excited as well because so everybody knows, Leticia's actually my my territory manager specifically for my agency. And um, you've been, how, how long have you been my territory manager? It's been a while. Years at least. I think six years, maybe this month. Something like that. Yeah, I think so. It's like a long time. And I don't usually keep territory managers quite that long. So I'm pretty excited about that. Usually they shift you guys around quite a bit. So absolutely. Well, yes. you guys know what? I am so excited to have Letitia on today because one of the things that I love the most about her is just her spirit. One of the things is she always sends out these emails that are so personal and that are very connective. And she goes out of her way to really do what it takes to help make insurance agents successful. And she also takes a very realistic approach to that as well. So whenever she comes on in the agency, she knows what's going on in the industry. And she's very, very honest and realistic about that. So Letitia, I just want to tell you right now, I'm I'm so thankful for that because whenever you come into my office, I'm always very, very grateful. Oh, I'm, I appreciate that, Teresa, very much. I'm glad to hear it works what I'm doing. <laughs> it, does. it does. It does. In fact, sometimes I take your emails and I share them with other people. And I'm like, this is the way it should be done. Oh, so great. I love it. Wonderful. So Leticia, I know that you've been in the insurance industry a long time and I know that you've had many different roles um, and being a woman within that process, tell me a little bit about how you got into insurance and tell me a little bit about your background as far as just growing up and what brought you here today. Absolutely. Well, so thanks again, Teresa, for having me here. I'm honored, so excited and you know, it's, it, it's funny to me because I don't know how many of us, you know, listening in right now and um, how many of us plan to be in insurance. You know, when we were little girls, did we say, when I grew up, I'm going to be in insurance. Uh, yeah. I don't think probably 99.9 of us said that, right? Did your no. dollies play, you know, insurance agent? You know, I mean, come on. Exactly, <laughs> right? No, so no was said. So, you know, my game plan was that I wanted to be a lawyer. And I wanted to be a defense attorney. I wanted to help people uh, defend, uh, defend, you know, those who couldn't defend themselves, give them a voice. And so that was my, uh, that was my game plan. In fact, that was my, like, that was my plan A. There was no plan B or C or D. So there, it was the plan. The plan. So 
you know, I'm navigating through life, go to high school and go to college. And I apply to the colleges I applied to. It didn't turn out. I didn't get into the few schools that I applied to. And I was in the process of transitioning to moving to another state because my soon to be husband had gotten promoted and moved to Dallas. And so the schools I'd applied to in, you know, in Washington state and California, um, I didn't get in, which I was not too upset because I was moving to Dallas. Um, and so I said, you know what, I'll play again in a year and I'll just go work for Safeco because I actually started at Safeco Insurance, which is now owned by Liberty Mutual when I was an intern in college and where my girlfriends in college were making $10 an hour to stand on their feet and sell tacos. Mm -hmm. I was getting paid $10 and 50 cents to sit in a chair all day in front of a computer. And so I absolutely had no intention or thought about insurance. I don't even know if I could spell the word insurance, (laughs) but I'm sitting down all day. Right. So absolutely. I'm in. So I get this internship. I learn about risk management and insurance. And, um, I actually said, huh, this is quite pretty interesting, really. And so then when I didn't get into law school, I'd already been working at Safeco for two years now while I was in college um, as a backup plan, in essence, without me even really knowing it. And because my degree was in law and society and justice, I also saw the parallel between protecting your insureds and defending them. And so when I uh, didn't in the law school, moved to Texas with my husband. I said, okay, Safeco, I'll come work for you for a year. Well, in that year, I ended up getting married, I ended up getting pregnant, I ended up getting pregnant again. So next thing you know, I'm working at Safeco for not just one year, but two years. And here you, here I am 20 years later, wow. still at the same company. And I know that's a long time, not only be in insurance, but also to be just at one company. And so I absolutely love, you know, Safeco Insurance, absolutely love. And what I would say when Liberty purchased Safeco, it was like the cherry on top. And Liberty is a phenomenal company, has taught me so much. And so, yeah, so in that 20 year span, I had the opportunity to work in claims and in the auto. And I had opportunity to work in the nasty litigation and in where the injury claims, auto accidents, dog bite claims, fatalities. Um, and then had you know some uh, uh, underwriting experience, and then just when I got to start working with you, had the privilege, I moved over to our what we call sales and distribution, and that's working directly with our independent agents and helping them grow their agency and teach their frontline staff our product and just partner with our agents and help them be the best version of themselves. And I cannot say I love this role so much. I absolutely cannot imagine myself doing anything else within the insurance industry. It's it's amazing. And you know, we hear that. I hear that a lot that people who got in, they maybe started a receptionist or they started as a summer job or they started just kind of filing for maybe their dad's agency or whatever it might be. And people are like, oh my gosh, this is a great industry and I love it. And it's interesting how many people are, like you said, still there 20, 30 years later. Well, Teresa, you know this, uh, many of our friends who you know, when I worked in claims and I worked with litigation claims, I was actually directing my defense attorneys on what to do in those cases. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't go to law school. I didn't have to pay back, you know, law school uh, loans. But here I am probably making just as much money, if not more money than they are. And insurance, you just you can do really well for yourself. And I have, yeah. you know, family and friends that were in careers that, um 
you know, what I would say is I couldn't afford to leave insurance either because I just started, you know, made such good money. Yep. I, I, we were like, we're not leaving. We're here to stay, you know? So it is, it's a great industry that people don't know about and you can make a really good life for yourself and your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always say that insurance is the backbone of our economy. And that's because um, it, it feeds so many different industries between if we have automobile accidents or if we have home situations or business insurance or whatever, we keep America employed, number one, so that that way if businesses have issues or problems that generally they don't go out of business. I know we've seen um, during right now during COVID, we're seeing some different, different things kind of pop up with the fact that agent that some businesses couldn't operate, but at the same point, that's a totally unique situation. We've never, ever occurred before. But I mean, if we end up with, you know, a business that has a situation that they can still keep their people employed, that they, um, that our homes can get repaired. And it also fix. I mean, my, I had a, I had a water claim last summer. We had a hot water heater up in our attic. And what happened was the con the connector to the hot water heater actually came apart. Luckily I was home because I heard it just, <laughs> spewing all over the attic. But by the time that I was able to find the water key, go out in the yard, turn off the water, it had already put so much water in our attic that our, um, the drywall of our ceilings were already collapsing, which means that we had to redo all of our floors. Well, we had just redone our floors like two years ago. And it was really funny because the flooring that we had, the same concept was available, but it was a different width of plank because we have hardwood floors different width of plank and there were different um widths of the actual or depths of the actual thing so we had to like redo all this hardwood floor right we couldn't just yeah. redo that one section so there's so many things between painters and contractors and flooring companies and you know your restoration companies and all of the different people that are touched with that the accounting people that each of their areas um Home Depot with all the stuff I had to buy, you know, the hotels were putting us up while our home was being painted. Yes. All of these things are totally affected by insurance. And I love the fact that it is such the backbone, not only that, but of course the, um, the uh, financial to be able to qualify for our houses and our cars because they've gotten so expensive, yes. but then also just the security that it gives us that we aren't homeless at the end of the day because something might happen. So I think that's so awesome. And I think when people really grasp onto that, like you said, they feel yes. like they're really making a difference in the world. Absolutely. Putting people back in their homes, you yeah. know, with their families and um, yeah, it's, it's priceless for sure. Absolutely. And it makes us feel like at the end of the day, we're making the, I, we've actually created a new motto at my agency. I don't think I've actually shared this with you yet, but when I used to send my kids off uh, to school, I was to, you know, give them their lunch and send them off to school and everything. And I used to always tell them, make the world safe for democracy. And that was my thing. So I now in our agency, we're saying we make the world safer one policy at a time, because I'm taking that and kind of changing it around a little bit, but that's going to be our, our new motto for 21 is um, that we make the world safe uh, one policy at a time. And I think it's nice to know that you can do that through what it is that you do. So I love that. Teresa. That's incredible. Wow. What a great value proposition. Incredible. I love it. So tell me a little bit, I know you said you've been in claims, you've been able to use some of your, your passion for taking care of people and the law issues and things like that, that you've been able to really do. But tell me a little bit about your journey as a woman. Cause like you said, you've had kids in this space, you've been married, you've been able to 
kind of grab that brass ring a little bit to where you have that awesome career where you're connecting and you're growing. And yet at the same point, you have that amazing family at home. Tell us a little bit about that process for you. Absolutely. So, and you're right, you know, uh, being a woman who does have, has children and is married and, um, you know, my husband actually worked for the same company. That's actually how we met. He worked in insurance as well. So we were an insurance family and it was, it's interesting how, you know, him as a male, not necessarily being home with children, how, you know, his career continued to evolve and you see yourself as a woman that has aspirations to, you know, grow in her uh, career as well. And there's times where you have, in essence, a pause, you know, you get pregnant, you have your baby, you stay home, right? And, you know, whether you stay home for the six weeks, um, back then, I think six weeks was approved where you could um, get your full pay. Um, and then you're back to work, maybe within 12 weeks or so. Well, now Liberty Mutual actually pays for four months for mothers to stay oh home. Goodness, are you serious? <laughs> And they have paternity leave too. So the father can actually stay home paid for four months, which is incredible. But that's even part of the journey, right? That there was a time where you could get paid for six weeks. And, you know, if you really need that second paycheck, you, you know, you either really um, sacrificed and stayed home or you said, hey, I, I got to go back. Right. And then you're trying to find daycare and your kid and you're this emotional that's trying to you know, be there for your baby while you're dropping them off, but then go work, you know, at the yep. same time. And so definitely understand that process. Um, had two boys within a two year span of time. So I would say, you know, between like getting pregnant, staying home, having a child recovering, coming back, having, getting pregnant, getting, having another child, there was probably a good five years mm-hmm. that I kind of put maybe my career, my advancement and development in the workplace, probably at caught on hold yeah. because, you know, I'm at, I'm, I'm at home. And I remember one specific time that there was a coworker of mine and he was male and obviously I'm female and I was pregnant and there was a leadership position that was coming and both he and I both were um, in this leadership development program and I was on the verge of, you know, maybe a month or two away from delivery and he got the role and I had, I just wondered in my mind, you know, was it because, you know, I won't be here in Two months, right? And I understand that, you know, processes and you need people in place to make things work, et cetera. But, or just the fact that I just wasn't there either, right? Like, you know, two months. So whether it was intentional or unintentional or just the way life works, but definitely women, you know, definitely have that, um, that, that bridge that they have to cross, right? So um, that said, I would say, you know, my career overall has been phenomenal. I absolutely love the leadership that I've worked for, um, have worked in some really fun roles. And uh, I also see over the last 20 years, you know, probably more women in leadership roles today and probably women of color today than I saw them 20 years ago as well. You know, I think we all know data statistics show the demographics of those in insurance and it's probably changed and, you know, the, it's moved, dials moved some at this point, but, you know, 20 years ago it was, you know, white Caucasian male over the age of 50 or 55. Yeah. And that's what it looks like still similarly in some ways today, but that, that definitely is changing. And it's really great to see more women and people of color and, um, you know, different, different groups of people to um, uh, grow in that space and in leadership roles for sure. Now, I know back 10 years ago, and I'm thinking back 10 years ago, there were lots of conversations that went on about how the, how the industry was aging. 
Mm-hmm. And how um, so much of the population of insurance was so, um, like you said, white male over the age of 50. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like there was an intentional shift. And I wonder if it was on everybody's side, including the carrier side, to mm-hmm. be able to make more of a transition into diversity, which mm-hmm. would be more women, more more women of color, more people of color. And I almost feel like maybe there was an intentional space in that because then we also had the the conversation inside the industry too, that we just didn't see millennials or um, really entering the industry at that time. And so maybe we needed to make more of an intentional move into that space. Cause I know that as an agency owner, some people, and I can't remember who off the top of my head, but I would talk about growing. They go, Oh, you really need to hire millennials, you know, because there aren't that many out there. And there were so many people who were worried about as agency owners, kind of their succession plan, what are they going to do? And um, have you seen maybe um, carriers making a little bit more of an intentional shift in that direction? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, not only Teresa, like you said, from a perpetuation plan, right? Because if we all die, I mean, we're going to go, we're going to go, right? So obviously you want to bring in the younger blood to continue mm-hmm. The legacy, but also from a, if you really think about it from a collaboration and innovation standpoint, being a top carrier, being a top company, do you benefit more where you have one type of person that is, that is coming up with ideas and, you know, making the suggestions or when you have a group of people that have different backgrounds, different experience, different thought processes and, and come together and, whether they agree or don't agree is actually where, you know, creativity comes in, right? Because, yeah. Hey, I think we should do it this way. I think we should do it this way. And you have someone else that says, well, I think we can do both or both. And, or it doesn't have to be either or, or let me try on your idea. And that's where your collaboration and innovation comes in. And that's, you know, the carriers and the companies that, that, um, uh, invest in diversity of different people groups are going to be the companies that then uh, excel really in the marketplace right. because they're, ideas are going to go that much further um, than absolutely. those not. So absolutely. I've definitely seen that shift in the career I work for definitely has invested in that for, for many years and it's a top priority on their list for sure. Well, excellent. And I do know that on a personal area, that is also something that you're very, very passionate about is diversity, is conversation, is the ability for people to really reach across the table and be able to connect directly with others. So I would like at this point to be able to bring up that uh, Leticia has actually uh, written a book. I believe you wrote it last year and it is called Half Breed. When, When did that book come out? Yes, it was published in uh, October, so a little, little over, a little less than a year ago. Yeah, October 2019. Half breed, finding unity in a divided world. Well, and I love it because it's all about finding unity. And right now, is the culture that we're all in right now, uh, for, for the loyal listeners out there, um, we are uh, today is um, September twenty. Let me make sure I get the date right. 29th, um, uh, 2020. And so we are coming up to the election, which is coming up here very shortly. We have a lot of um, civil and racial questions and things that are going on right now in our culture and so forth. And um, so uh, let's is so awesome about being a champion specifically for unity. Tell us a little bit about why that passion is something that you have and how maybe it's helped you with your career. Oh, I love it. Um, so it's very interesting. So, you know, we all have our different life stories and our journeys of, you know, where it leads us. And we just talked about, you know, how we got insurance and had that journey right. to this place. And so, um, 
where it came in is, you know, late 2017 actually looked a lot like 2020 right now, if you recall, um, except, you know, instead of us yelling at each other about whether or not we're wearing a mask or not, we were yelling at whether or not it, NFL players should be standing or kneeling on the football yeah. Um, but we still had the same, you know, whether or not you were a Democrat, Republican, and we had racial issues that were going on and social issues that were going on. And we had fires happening in California and Washington, yep. there were earthquakes and hurricane. That was a hurricane that year. There's no hurricane this year, thankfully. Well, there are hurricanes this year, but um, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it looked a lot like that. And so really my heart started rumbling as in, you know, what, what can I do? What should I do? What's the answer here? You know? And I, at that moment in time, I had this reflection of my life and Teresa, you know this, but my mother is white and my father is black and growing up as a mixed child, which is what we referred to ourselves as uh, in the eighties is we have the opportunity and the privilege to be raised and loved and influenced and impacted by both of those cultures. My, my white grandmother was very close to me. She was originally from Germany, loved her. So I had white cousins, I had white aunts and uncles that I loved and embraced. And then my dad's family was in the South. They lived here in Texas and they, I, I have like a thousand cousins on that side and black cousins, <laughs> black uncles and aunts and black grandparents and I love them and so you know not only was I listening to rhythm and blues you know at my at one family's home but then I was going and listening to Nirvana and Pearl Jam at the other family <laughs> right so I was eating you know sweet potato pie at one family member's house and I was going to eat pumpkin pie at the other family mm, and, you right. know greens at one house and cabbage at the other and so you know, the music and the culture and the language, you know, we were able to transcend in essence, those divides and love them both, but then also understand, you know, maybe just that the language, right? The understanding, the heart of both sides. And so in that, um, I had moved to, I had attended 13 different schools by the time I was 15. Now it wasn't like moving around the 15 schools in North Texas or like McKinney or Plano, or Dallas, it was 15 schools across three different states, Washington State, Louisiana, and Texas. And you know, those three states, they're different politically. Oh, right? one, they're, they're, they're night, night and day and night and day. I mean, all of them, yeah. Exactly. And in those schools, I had attended schools that were all white, some that were all black, some that were heavy um, Asian. And so from the Middle East, some from Russia, and then in the, in the process, my home situation depending on where we lived, ranged as well from low-income housing to upper end. And so I had the opportunity to live where, you know, families that were in lower-income project homes up to those who lived in higher-end homes with swimming pools. And so the community and the cultures that came along with that in those three different states. So by the time I'd gone to college, I, I was best friends with Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Asian, Middle Eastern, Russian, Vietnamese, Korean, black, white, mixed, um, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, <laughs> I mean, name <laughs> them all. And so here comes 2017 and it's like this epiphany, this light bulb goes off. My, my life experience really gave me the keys to unlock these doors that have been locked, unfortunately, in our culture and in our nation. And so obviously using those same skill sets to navigate, even in my career, in a, in a, but predominantly male, Caucasian, older male industry, right? Because um, when I started my career, I was only 22. 
So that's pretty young, right? And I was female and I was a woman of color. And so I looked nothing like, you know, the the overall industry did, right? And still navigating and still being promoted year after year and being top 10 in my company year after year and um, understanding how to build bridges regardless um, of who's on the other side and not using, um, not using any excuses of why I wasn't you know, promoted or, um, but rather than trying, just trying to collaborate and find solutions, just like we talked about, right? Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With MBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with MBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Dot com cast certified so so do you feel like and i think that's a really good point that i would really like to be able to kind of discuss a little bit more do you feel like having those experiences because i know reading your book you really discussed how there were times that maybe you might have been around certain cultures or certain ideas a little bit more than others at the moment and sometimes we all especially when we're in school there's a little bit of peer pressure there to be able to participate in some of those things and i know you had mentioned in the book your mom and your dad were super diligent about about the, the the message of love and the message of acceptance and that no matter where you were, no matter what state you were in, no matter what family member you were around, no matter what culture you were around, no matter what friends you were around, that you were really brought back to that universal message of love and and that you were really, really structured in that. And I think that really probably just set really, really deep in your bones. So as coming into a corporate situation of a woman of color, of a woman of varied backgrounds and having children and, you know, and living in a huge, huge Metroplex, one of the largest in the country. Do you feel like um, you had a different approach to that than maybe other people do? Because I know as women, sometimes we sit around, right? And we, we um, sometimes I think gossip becomes the language of women sometimes. And it's something that we have to almost like, sometimes I know that I have engaged in it more for the idea of being a part of a team and part of a group and part, especially moms. And, and you know, do you find maybe that it helps you to maybe take a little bit of a step back and be able to guide your career in a different way and how how has that helped you to be more conscious through that process because I think we all really need to be really conscious of of that process as we grow throughout whatever journey we have yeah for sure no that's really great and you know like you said my um (laughs) my, my example and if you read my book there's a very intense learning process that I had as a child of learning that not one or the other was better um really just um trusting before doubting, you know, taking people at their, um, you know, that they have good intent, even if something ill will is said or done. Um, and just really forgiving people for the ignorance or obnoxious things that they say. Um, and I would also say, I think, you know, growing up in that type of household that we were very intentional of not walking out like a stereotype, like you said, you know, women may be known for gossiping. So then I'm not going to go gossip. Right. Right. And, um, or if people of color are known for certain things, then I'm not gonna, you know, add to that, right? Or some people who are young, you know, or too, you know, they don't, they're not, you know, they, they can't, they're not mature enough, right? So really 
overcome maybe even the assumptions or prejudices that we have of different people groups at the same time. Um, and always intentionally um, being intentional about establishing relationships with mm -hmm. people who don't even look like me or sound like me, um, rather than just being comfortable with my people group, whether it's the young people or whether it's the older people or whether it's the co people of color or they're non-people of color, or, um, you know, but coming outside of that, mm -hmm. of my comfort zone, right? And establishing these relationships. So then um, just because I'm a woman of color who was younger and uh, so then did that say, well, then my, you know, my boss is white and he's older. So I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to assume that he's picking on me because I'm not, uh, you know, Caucasian, right? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to go out of my way to go establish a really great relationship with him and ask him to be my mentor, right? And so I think that's really how I collaborated my career is, you know, where I saw the opportunities, it was more about the relationship and building the relationship and mentorships and building my career versus you know, fitting into a stereotype, really maybe even more so trying to break out of any kind of stereotype yeah. that placed on me that the world typically, you know, that we typically place on each other, right? We, we're all human and we all have our biases. And so um, working to overcome those biases for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I bet it really helped you, like you said, to keep more of an open mind whenever maybe things were going on around you to be able to not engage and just say, well, you know, maybe, because I know even like with my kids, right, they get into certain situations and um, they might want to come home and say, oh, da, 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 da. And the reality is sometimes I try to be able to say, well, let's step back. Maybe that's not what somebody meant to right. happen. Let's, right. let's look at it maybe from another perspective, you know, and um it's really funny. My daughter came home from college back in May and she was thinking about making a move. Um, um, she was living in Denver, wanted to maybe move to Moab, just wanted a little bit of a different thing. And since college is virtual right now. So um, I have dry erase boards all over my house and behind all my couches and everything. So I pull it out. We start dry racing this whole, why would you want to move? What do you want to accomplish? And don't run away don't think moving is going to change who you are. You are the one who's responsible for who you are. Moving doesn't, if, if we have personal growth that we want to go achieve, that's not, that's not to be achieved by moving across the country. That was kind of the point. Yeah. And it was really funny because we were doing it. And she looked at me, she goes, mom, this is why I come home. And I'm <laughs> like, just laughing. But it's the point of thinking outside the box. It's, just, it's the point uh, of saying, what are we really trying to accomplish here? What is the heart? What is the soul of what's really going on? And let's just cut through the junk and let's Absolutely. just be real. Absolutely. And I think even back to, you know, what I shared with you earlier about when I did have a child and I was pregnant and it was, you know, me and another male who were kind of up for this leadership position. You know, I think it'd be very easy for me to go ahead and assume he got it because I'm a pregnant woman, right? And no one wants to have you know, a some who someone is going to be right. You know, not flexible, and she's probably going to go home and be attached to her child, and she may not even come back, right? Because we all think those things. Um, or I could say, yeah, I mean, he was going to be available for the next year. I may or may not have been available for the next year, but I would not give up those years, that time with my child at home for anything. I'll, when I die on my bed, I'm not going to say I wish I worked more hours. I'm going to say I wish I had more time with my kids, right? And that's okay, and that's okay. And so now, when I came back. Did I work hard? Did I partner with the right partnerships and mentorships? And absolutely. And what I say, I outperformed that same male who, you know, got that role before I did. I absolutely outperformed him. And I think my, my company knows that. And, and I'm good with that too, right? Yep. So, yep. Um, 
definitely not saying, oh, well, because I'm a woman, I can't believe, and, and, and you know, and, and spreading that and sharing that and being disgruntled. Um, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen because I'm sure it does. Um, in fact, we, we know stories where that does happen. Yeah. Yep. Um, but not, I think it all puts us on the path where we're supposed to go to. I mean, you know, because if we don't get that promotion, maybe we get another one that at another time, like you said, maybe, or another department is just better for us. And we're supposed mm -hmm. to be with those people. And I always try to take into consideration, maybe that just wasn't my place. Yeah. Yep. I agree. And I love in your book too, you talk about the fact of having a conversation specifically around the football situation and, and the kneeling with another person specifically. And you were very, you said that in, the mind, in your mind, there was just multiple different things going on when somebody was making these comments and you just kind of stopped and you just really just approached the situation with love. And um, I think you might've um, just, I can't remember exactly because unfortunately I read it like a couple weeks ago, but you know, yeah. you just kind of made a little comment one or two and he, and just left it and was just very open to that. And yeah. you said he came back and was just very, well, you, you tell the story. I'm sure you can tell the story. Of course, it's your life. <laughs> I love it. When other stories wouldn't impact me that much. I love hearing it. Was. It. It's just, it's one of those things I think about all the time. Yeah. You know, I think Teresa, we live in, and you, and we do this in business too, right? Like, you know, you feel like when you see a customer come in the door, you know what they need, right? You know what kind of insurance they need, you know, what kind of package they need. Yep. Sometimes you can tell them everything they need, but if they don't believe you and they're stuck on their side of what they feel like they do or don't need, because they've already been brainwashed in another way in that sense, right? Instead, you may need to just leave, you become what? You become a consultant. Yeah. You're now just suggesting, you're now just getting them to think you're kind of planting seeds for them to think of things. Right. And so it's really no different in the personal world, except we don't do that in our personal lives In our personal lives. We're so convinced that we need to convince other people to vote like us. We need to be convinced that, you know, the same hashtag something, something matters. It must matter as much to you as it does to me. And we must have the same, you know, perspectives and everything. It's either my way or the highway. Yeah, if we did business like that, we wouldn't be as successful as we are, right? We don't, it's, it doesn't have to be either or, there can be a both and, right? And so what I learned in this process, in this journey of even my own walk in life is that sometimes you just need to lay out another perspective on the table for someone to consider. And so for instance, this particular coworker, and I didn't tell him whether I agreed or disagreed with him, I just listened to him. His perspective as a white male whose father had served in the Air Force was that he was very angry for any NFL player who was kneeling during the flag. He saw it as disrespectful and dishonorable. I can understand why. And I think that was the first step is me stopping and listening and trying on his perspective to say, I can understand why he, out of his experience, because I can't argue with his experience. Mm -hmm. I can argue with his opinion. I can argue with his belief system but I cannot argue with his life experience. His life experience is my father left my family for months at a time to serve our country. And he may or may not have come back. And now you're gonna have someone disrespect what, you know, what my father, my, my father's life. Man, I can, I can respect that. I can understand that. I can appreciate that. So I, I, I told him that. And then we gave it a moment of silence. And said, <laughs> dear friend, man, I can understand why you're so passionate about that. And what makes this difficult is a person standing on the other side of that flag is just as passionate. And it kind of sparked his eye like, huh? And I said, yeah, you know, if you think about it, their perspective and their life experience 
is that their fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers gave their lives for this country and that flag as well, but in a different way. That flag represents something different to their family than it does yours. And that he just kind of sat back for a moment like, I can't even understand or appreciate what you just like. It was like an it just was like an explosion in his brain. You could see it happen, right? And so, just gave him that dialogue of appreciation that you know there is a passion on the other side, and here's this person's life experience that this flag represents. That they're literally the country was built on their backs, literally, right? Whips to their back, and just kind of laid out like that. You know, and, you know, just something to think about. And that's why they're passionate. And this is why, you know, this is so difficult for sure. Versus me saying, I cannot believe you said that. Do you know that this country was built on the backs of these, you know, that, 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 that puts up his defense, that puts up his guard, rather than put, letting his guard come down, offering him a different perspective. And then a week later, he came to me and said, calls me LT. I said, LT, I would have never considered that perspective ever. I'm so grateful you shared that with me. I feel like I have a better understanding and now I can have an appreciation for that. And I'm not as, you know, I don't hate everybody who's kneeling on the, on the field, you know, and, and it's okay to disagree. I will never, he said, I will never kneel, but I understand why they're kneeling. Right. And that's really what we need in our, in our world right now. Right. It's not that we have to agree on everything, but it has to just, it has to be okay for us to disagree Mm -hmm. and appreciate and to respect each other. Um, to really create that that ability to even communicate, like you said. And like I said, we do it in the workplace. We do it in the corporations. We do it. There's just no way that we would ever succeed in life if we all said, me, 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 I will never listen right. to your idea, right? And so we just have to do it, you know, in our personal lives too. Absolutely. Well, and I love in your book how you also say, and I'm going to give kudos to your husband here. <laughs> he, uh, he, has a, he has a cool saying that you put in here that it is better to understand than it is to, under, to be understood. Mm-hmm. And that really, really stood out to me. And I loved also the, the point that you had made that beliefs and opinions could be refuted and challenged, but no one could rob you of your experience. Just like you just said right now, no one can drill a hole in your life's experiences. They are real. Mm-hmm. And we need as just human beings to appreciate and understand that people's experiences are very personal. They're theirs. They're theirs. And that we're not here to refute their personal experiences. And um, I think sometimes we think that there's a war going on about experiences and there isn't. (laughs) That's opinion, right? And, you know, and I love the whole, it is better to understand than to be understood that listening is the key to hearing and hearing allows you to genuinely and effectively respond to the real need in front of you. I just thought that was super powerful. That's awesome. You know, as you even read that, I think about, you know, your customer, when you sell an insurance policy to your customer, do you sell this blanket policy to them that covers everything or not at all? Or do you have to listen to their life experience? I had a water claim, therefore you probably need water coverage. I have a dog. I have you know, you need an umbrella. You, you have to listen to people's life experiences to even understand how to um, help cover, you know, help, help them live a better life. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, you know, I think we, we also, we all, we all have such a limited view of what we know. We all know that we know that we know that we know, right? Certain <laughs> things. And we don't know what we don't know. And um, I think uh, as we 
really see in our own careers in the insurance industry, the insurance industry is so thick. There's so many things that it takes care of. So many people, so many situations that we're always learning. I don't think there's anybody in the insurance industry that can say that they know everything that there is to know about insurance. And, you know, and I think that's life. I, I think that's just such a good comparison with the concept of life that we may know what is within our own spectrum, which is within our own circle, our own wheelhouse, but we don't know somebody else's circle and somebody else's wheelhouse. So as a woman in insurance and as someone who is passionate about encouraging women in the insurance space, I just would love to challenge women out there to be able to be open to just like you said about the situation with that other gentleman, maybe just be patient and listen. And then maybe, you know, when the time is right and the conversation is right to open up another conversation of helping someone else to understand when the time is right, when their spirit is open to it. And even whether or not it's working with our clients, if it's something of working with a team member, if it's somebody working with, um, you know, somebody in our personal life, even with our own children, we have to wait for them to be receptive and um, we have to be sensitive to that space. And when they do, then we can be people of power and impact. And I think that's part of being that power woman is being super sensitive and aware that um, we're here to be of servants in lots of different aspects and to wait until that time has, has come and, um, and to be a part of that process, not the, the person who has to drive it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's a power woman provides impact for sure. Providing solutions, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tish, you have been amazing. If anybody would like to be able to pick up your book, guys, I picked it up specifically on Amazon. And as I'm holding it up, um, Latisha, you can see I've got these little blue. I take a post-it <laughs> note. I'm, I'm such a... Such I'm a, a post-it too. They're all over my desk right now. So. Yeah, yes. So I take and post-it notes and cut them up and put little little uh, areas. And I wish I could go through each one of these because I probably have like 40 of them here. But um, you guys can go ahead. Everybody can get the book. It's called Half Read, Finding Unity in a Divided World by Tisha Wheeler. And um, her beautiful pictures on the front of it. I just thought that was such a good picture too. And um, guys, get it on Amazon. Where else can people order this book or get that? Or what What would you recommend for people to be able to get yeah, a copy of your book? You can get on Amazon bar or Barnes and nobles, either one of those and some indie bookstores, but that's probably the easiest and fastest for everybody who shops on Amazon at two in the morning now with COVID. So right. <laughs> don't we all, don't we all, yeah. I'll even shop like during dinner. I'm like, Oh, somebody mentioned something. I'm like, Oh, I got to go order that real quick. And yep. it's at my door in 24 hours. I'm so happy. <laughs> I know. I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing, but <laughs> exactly. I know exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for your time today. This has been Leticia Wheeler with Liberty Mutual. She is the senior territory manager over there and um, she is the most amazing senior territory manager. So I am so thankful to have you in my life. I really am. So wonderful to work with you as well. You are very uh, innovative, very collaborative. And uh, Teresa, you're just on the forefront of just, you know, the industry doesn't have a ton of female agents who sell insurance and, and uh, you are one of those, but you're also extremely innovative and always thinking of cutting edge ways to serve your customers and and your clients. And uh, I just absolutely love working with you and hearing all your great ideas, even in our industry. So thank Thank you. you. I appreciate that. If anybody did want to reach on out to you, how would you recommend for someone to reach out to you so that you can increase your impact for women in insurance? Absolutely. So you can reach out to me on Instagram at Letitia Wheeler or my email um, or uh, my website, LetitiaWheeler.com. 
So perfect. Uh, my name is spelled very interesting though. So Teresa, you probably have it written, but it's L-E-T-E-S-H-A and Wheeler, just like 18 Wheeler. Wheeler.com. Yes. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys. Everybody make sure that you do subscribe to the Power Women in Insurance podcast because we have had so many amazing women in the insurance space talking to us. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago before this actually airs, which is actually the day before this actually will air when we're actually recording tomorrow, um, which is, uh, which is uh, the, the 30th tomorrow of uh, September, we actually have a woman who is in the forefront of data in the insurance space. She actually is a graduate of MIT, working specifically with uh, insurance companies, helping them to be able to utilize data for accurate pricing and being able to work with their clients more effectively. Guys, we want to touch every single aspect of women in insurance, empower careers, motivation, and helping people to find their juju in their special space within the insurance space. So everybody, make sure you do subscribe to the Power of Women in Insurance and make sure that you keep in touch and connect with Leticia however you guys want to because she is dynamic and wonderful. Everybody, have a great day. Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do, because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really. And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good, or you don't even want to do them anymore, because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial but you've got time to search it and look at it that's what we do we deliver high quality ve's we mix the technology with it we train them on the technology give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races i'm not joking with you you can call my agency at any time ask for lordland and we do ask her say how fast are you able to do quotes i've actually got a couple videos of it that's right we can do five to ten carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes so you give me an auto quote i can do five to ten carriers in three to seven minutes how are we doing it we're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence give us a call check us out you can ask for me personally i'll do the demo for you who are they cast certified